Appreciate the public prayer that has been offered and ask you to continue to be in prayer as I endeavor to preach to you tonight. This morning I endeavored to preach some on the subject of faith in God. And faith is such a huge blessing in the lives of God's children while we're here in this world. I don't think we'll need faith when we get to heaven. We won't even need hope when we get to heaven. For why would we hope for that which we already possess? We'll need love for all eternity and we will have it. But in this world, we need faith and we need hope every day. Faith is to the soul what eyes are to the body. The Bible teaches us there are three heavens. The first heaven where the clouds are and the birds fly, the airplanes, we see that first heaven by day with our natural eyes. At night, when the moon is out and the stars are out, we see the second heaven at night. We see the third heaven by faith. And it's a beautiful sight, isn't it? To by faith be able to focus on that, that beautiful city not made with hands. Faith is invaluable in the life of God's children. It helps us in all of life's struggles and trials to uh, reach out to God for his help. And in the 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, and by the way, the book of Hebrews is written by the Apostle Paul to the first century Hebrew Christians. And the Hebrew Christians of the first century were suffering greatly for their Christian faith. They had given up Judaism for Christianity. They were now worshiping Jesus Christ. And they'd given up the temple. They had given up the Jewish priesthood. They had given up all of that for a simple faith in a crucified and risen Savior. So for their faith, for their Christian faith, they were suffering persecution by their families, by um, Judaism itself, by the, um, the priest, the Levites, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they were all persecuting the Christian Hebrews. And so Paul is writing this letter to the Hebrews to encourage them in their Christian walk. And in order to encourage them, in chapter 11 of Hebrews, he goes back throughout the Old Testament and brings up men and women who lived by faith in God and showed the Hebrews, reminded the Hebrews of what God's children were able to do by faith, not by sight, not by human wisdom, not by money, not by education, not by popularity, 
but by faith in God. See, faith is really living without scheming. When you're trusting in God, you don't have to scheme and try to control people and manipulate circumstances. You commit all that to God. And that's, that's, a, that's a life of peace. When you're trusting in God and you're not trying to scheme, you're not trying to manipulate people and control people. You're just trusting in God to do it. And I'll have to confess, there have been times that I haven't done very well in that. But when I'm in my sound mind, I just commit it to God, and he takes care of it. And a lot of people say, well, Brother Sam, I just need more proof that there is a God, and I need more evidence that God is going to help us. Well, see, when, when proof is possible, faith is impossible. We don't live by proof. We live by faith. And faith, our faith is not based on what God is doing. It's based on, what, on who God is. Do you all see that? A lot of people say, well, if God would just do this and this and this, I'll trust him. No, we're not trusting God based on what he does. We're, we're trusting him on who he is. And I want to say tonight that I believe probably, now this is a, this is a big statement, but I believe it. The most important thing in your life and my life is what we believe about God. Now you think about that a moment. When you believe that God is, not he was or will be, but he is. See, in, in Hebrews 11, verse 6, Paul says, but without faith, now wouldn't that be an awful life? Be, it, be blind spiritually. But without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. See, if you and I are going to please God, we're going to have to trust him. He, he's not pleased when you and I live in doubt, when we live in fear, when we're troubled on every, in our minds. God expects his little children to have faith in him. When my children were little and we were trying to teach them to swim, I remember taking them to a, to a pool at the uh, veterans uh, hospital there in Dublin. And, uh, and the instructor wanted me to teach my children to trust me to jump into my arms. And that took a while. <laughs> I mean, kids don't just jump off the side of the pool automatically. I don't care if you are your, their daddy. It takes a little while. But once they do it two or three times, they get better at it. Now, God expects you and me as his little children just to jump into his arms. How many of y'all are good at it? <laughs> 
Or do we sometimes back up and have some doubts? See, without faith, it is impossible to please him. What is faith? It's trusting in God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. How many of us want to please God? I do. If you're a man pleaser, good luck. Because I can tell you, it's impossible to please people. Now, every once in a while, you'll luck up. (laughs) But I want to tell you, most of the time, you just can't please people. But God can be pleased. You know how? By you and me trusting him. Just, Just putting it all in his hands. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he was, that he will be, no, that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. You say, well, Brother Sam, I want to have faith, and I want my faith to grow. You remember Jesus often said to his disciples, oh, you have little faith. Now, little faith is better than no faith, and little faith in a big God is okay, but I want my faith to grow. How about y'all? You want to have more peace, more joy? Your faith needs to grow. Well, how, how can our faith grow? Well, one way our faith can grow is by reading this book of faith. This morning I endeavored to preach uh, about the Hebrew children in the fiery furnace. When y'all were hearing that, did that kind of strengthen your faith a little? Here are these boys who refused to bow down to this image and go along with all of this uh, idolatry. They refused that. And you know what they said? They said, our God is able to deliver us. But they went on to say, if he doesn't, I'm still going to trust him. What if God doesn't give us that job we want? What if God doesn't give us the companion we'd like to have? What if God doesn't give me good health? Am I going to trust him? The Hebrew boys said, if he doesn't deliver us, we're going to trust him. If they throw us in the fire, that's okay. We're going to trust him. Now see, that's, that's faith that's working. That's faith in God. And one way to build up your faith is to hear the word preached. You know, in Romans chapter 10, Paul would say, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul did not say there that you get faith by hearing the word. You you receive faith as a fruit of the Holy Spirit. When you're born again and the Spirit of God is dwelling within you, it produces faith. Now that faith needs to grow like fruit. And and so when Paul says, so then faith cometh by hearing, that word cometh means to stir to action. 
It means to grow. It means to be made manifest. I remember years ago, I was on my way to Mississippi to preach a meeting, and, uh, and I was cast down. I was just low. I was discouraged. I was cast down. And I was going to have to go out there and preach a week's meeting. And I tell you, preaching was the last thing on my mind. And I was praying, and I was driving on this little country road in Mississippi, and I came up on a church marquee. And you know what was on that marquee? What a friend we have in Jesus. <laughs> I can't even begin to describe to you what those words meant to me. Just to remember, I've got a friend in Jesus. And it just picked me up, and I went on and enjoyed trying to preach that whole week. That's what singing can do for you. Singing helps a troubled soul. And the Word of God will do that. So Paul says, so then faith cometh by hearing, not by having heard one time, but by hearing. The word hearing means that it's an ongoing thing, doesn't it? Why are you all back here tonight? A lot of you here yesterday, you're back here to, uh, you were here this morning, you're back here tonight, and I probably don't have much to say that you haven't already heard, but you know what? You need to hear it again, and again, and again. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing and hearing over and over and over. I tell you, the gospel has a way of building us up, strengthening our faith. Now, when you watch the news too much, what does that do to your faith? <laughs> it can kind of sink it, can it? You listen to all the trouble in this world and what people are doing, and that can be discouraging. But hearing the Word of God. And so Paul is going to take the Hebrews back into the Old Testament. And he's going to remind them of men and women, boys and girls, who by faith, by faith, saw the invisible. They saw things that you couldn't see with your natural eyes. They chose the imperishable. <laughs> Moses, when he was come to years by faith, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You remember his mom and dad, by faith, hid him as a Hebrew baby. Pharaoh had said all the male Hebrew children are going to die. He didn't want the slaves growing, the male slaves growing. And so he sent out a decree, they'll all die. But Moses' mom and dad, by faith, defied the, the command of the Pharaoh and hid him in a, in a little ark in the Nile River. By faith, they did that. And, and what happened then? God sent Pharaoh's daughter down to the river to bathe and when, and when her nursemaids found the little baby and she looked at him, he wept. And that touched her heart. Y'all believe God can work? I, I suspect God just reached down and pinched little Moses, <laughs> made him cry, and it touched Pharaoh's daughter's heart. And she just fell in love with him right then and there. 
and brought him into her house and raised him as her very own. I believe in the providence of God and I believe in the extraordinary providence of God. Now God's providence, the word providence means God provides. Every time the sun comes up in the morning, that's God's providence providing. Don't y'all love to see the sun come up? When it makes its orbit, that's God providing sunshine and God providing rain. God provides. I believe in God's providence, God providing for us on a daily basis. How many of y'all have enough to get by? But I not only believe in the ordinary providence of God, I believe in the extraordinary providence of God. Just like when Pharaoh's daughter goes down to bathe and there's that little baby and it starts crying (laughs) and she falls in love with it and brings it. See, Pharaoh ordered that the child die, but God intervened and caused Pharaoh's daughter to love the child and she brought it into the king's palace and raised it for 40 years. That little baby was raised up to be groomed as the son of, of Pharaoh. I believe he would have taken Pharaoh's place when Pharaoh died. But when he was 40 years old, came to to years at the age of 40, God touched his heart and he had a compassion for the Hebrew slaves. Y'all remember that? And God calls Moses to love the Hebrew people so much You say, how did he know that they were God's children? Well, his mama raised him. Y'all remember that? (laughs) Miriam, his sister, Pharaoh's daughter sent Miriam to get a nursemaid for the little baby. Who did Miriam go and get? She went and got Moses' mother. Now go figure that out. (laughs) Moses' mother raised him in Pharaoh's house. She was paid to take care of her own baby. I tell you, we, we worship an awesome God, don't we? Don't y'all think he'd do to trust? I'm not talking to y'all about a fairy tale. I'm talking to y'all about something that happened in the history of Egypt. And when he was 40, God touched his heart. How did, how did Moses know these Hebrew slaves were God's children? Don't you imagine his mama whispered in his ear and told him, these are God's children? These are the children of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I tell you, I'm sure that mama talked to her son in Pharaoh's court. So at the age of 40, his heart is touched. And so uh, he slays an Egyptian taskmaster and has to flee to the backside of the desert. And for 40 years, Moses was out there tending to sheep. He had been groomed to be, to take Pharaoh's place. The Bible says he was learned in all the ways of the Egyptians. I want to tell you, an Egyptian education was out of this world. The Egyptians were highly intelligent people. After all, they built the pyramids. And you know, we don't know today just how they built the pyramids. The pyramids remain a mystery to modern science. With all of our technology, we don't know how in the world they got these massive stones 
and put them in the form of a pyramid. When I was in Egypt back in 1969, I got to go up into the great pyramid of Giza. And up there in the top was a burial chamber. And our guide took a pocket knife, opened it, and he couldn't get a blade between those stones. And these stones weigh tons each. How did they do that? I'm telling you, the Egyptians were highly intelligent people. They knew the circumference of the earth to within a mile or two. People think, you know, all the people, you know, before the 20th century were just dummies. No, no, my friends, the Egyptians were highly intelligent people. They could, they could preserve the human body in a mummy form. I saw, I saw King Tuck's body in, in, uh, in, in Cairo in a museum. <laughs> the eyelashes were still there. I don't know that we could even do that. And Moses was educated in Egypt. He had the best education Egypt could give. Are y'all getting this? This man is in line to inherit all the riches of Egypt. But at the age of 40, by faith, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. And he fled into Egypt. Now I want to tell you, by faith, he saw something, didn't he? He didn't do that by sight, by, by, human, uh, by human nature. We want all the money we can get. <laughs> How about y'all now? Come on, be honest. Pharaoh turned down the wealth of Egypt and went to the backside of a desert to take care of sheep. And I want to tell you, the Egyptians despised shepherds. They love cows, but they hated sheep. And God sends him over there to be a shepherd. And at the age of 80, God calls on him in a burning bush. He's out there tending sheep. And all of a sudden he sees a bush burning. And it is burning, but it's not consumed. It's not burning up. And God speaks to him and says, Pull off thy shoes from off thy feet. The, 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 the place you stand on is holy ground. One of the most touching stories I've ever known in our country was when Sam Rabin, who was Speaker of the House of Representatives for many years, he served as Speaker of the House in Washington, D.C. longer than any other speaker. He was a powerful man. He could work both sides of the aisle. He was close to Republicans and Democrats. He was a mighty man in Washington. When he retired and moved back to Texas, he went to a little primitive Baptist church to join where his parents had been. And he pulled his shoes off at the back of the building and walked down the aisle and said, I'm on holy ground. I'm not even worthy to be here. Here's the most powerful man in Washington, D.C. who's humbled himself and honored to be a member of the church of Jesus Christ. I love that story about Sam Rabin. 
One of our elders, Elder Ball, preached his funeral. There were three presidents in the audience. <laughs> and he declared at that funeral the amazing grace of God. I want to tell you, what we have here tonight in the house of God, <laughs> would you give it up for anything in this world? Now, if you're deceived by Satan, you would, but if you got your eyes open, if you got your faith working, you know what we've got in the house of God is greater than anything in this world. Moses, by faith, refused. Look at what the man refused. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Choosing rather... Now you look at what he chose. To suffer affliction with the people of God. That's faith. And so Paul is going back and teaching these first century Hebrews about these people. Moses, the Hebrew children. He mentioned them. He didn't mention them by name, but notice what he said in verse 34. Quench the violence of fire. That was the Hebrew boys. See, God didn't save them from the fiery furnace. He saved them in it. <laughs> they got in there and God saved them. Now, why would Paul go back and bring up all of these men and women of faith in the Old Testament? To encourage the first century Hebrew Christians that God is real. He is faithful. He is able to take care of you. He, he, he brought Noah and his family through the worldwide flood. He brought Abraham from Ur of the Chaldeas into the promised land. He blessed Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and David and Samson. I mean, I don't remember just right now how many people he brings up, but they all did all of these amazing things by faith. Faith is active, beloved. Faith, <laughs> faith brought a proper sacrifice to worship God in the life of Abel. Faith caused, uh, uh, caused Enoch to walk with God and was not, for God took him. Faith enabled Noah to build an ark before it had ever rained on the earth. <laughs> Are y'all getting this? Faith... And did you know that faith that God gave to them is the same faith he gave to you and me? What are we doing with it? <laughs> Faith's got to be active. See, faith without works is what? It's dead. So you and I need to be active. We want to see good things happen in America. Let's trust God and do what he has called on us to do. Uh, so... Faith saw the invisible, it chose the imperishable, it did the impossible. <laughs> Let me tell you, when David, a little shepherd of 15 years of age, goes out and faces a giant 10 feet tall and brings him down with one stone, that is impossible according to nature. But according to faith, it's doable. Now, when, I, when my faith gets weak, you know what I need to do? I just need to read the book. I need to hear somebody preach. I need to hear about somebody sing. I need to hear, uh, I need to be in a spiritual company. And so 
by faith, they were able to do all of these amazing things. And you say, well, Brother Sam, if my faith is strong, does that mean that I'll never get sick? I won't lose my job? My house won't burn down? If I've got faith in God, does that mean that everybody in my family is going to be okay? No, it doesn't. And I want to come down tonight and close with verse 36 of Hebrews 11. Now, Paul has gone through the history of the Old Testament. He has brought up many people who did amazing things, not by sight, not by education, not by popularity, not by physical strength, but by faith in the living God. But now he comes and says, and others, let's look at the others a moment, and others had trial of cruel mockings and scourging. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sown asunder, they were tempted, were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains, and in dens and caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Notice in verse 38, Paul says, of whom the world was not worthy. The world was not worthy of these suffering people who were living by faith. And these people that were mocked and scourged, these people that were imprisoned, these people that were stoned, these people that were sawn asunder, these people that were slain with the sword, did you know they had just as much faith as Moses had? You say, well, Brother Sam, if they had as much faith as Moses or Abraham, why weren't they delivered? That's a good question. And I can't answer it. You can ask the God of heaven about it when you get there. But I'm going to tell you, he suffers a lot of us down here to have problems that are never resolved. I had a problem in my life one time, and I prayed about it for years. And I believe I prayed in faith. It was never resolved. What was I to do? Get angry with God? No. You know what? When, when Satan came to God, God said to him, Have you considered my servant Job? He's a faithful man. He, he's, he's outstanding. He's mature in all his ways. And you know what Satan said? Yeah, I've considered Job, but I can't get to him because you've got him hedged in. You've got him hedged in. You've given him 10 beautiful children. You've given him incredible wealth. He's the richest man in the East. You've given him health. You've got him. He's a bought and paid lover. You bought his love, God. You bought him and paid for him. You let me have him a while. And I'll get him to curse you to your face. Y'all remember that? For some reason, God suffered it to be. And Satan went to work. First thing he did was took away all his children. And then he took away his wealth. And then he took away his health. When you read the physical afflictions of Job's body, 
it's painful to even read it. The sores, the, 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 the open sores on his body. Finally, it got so bad, his wife said, Job, why don't you just curse God and die and get out of this? Y'all remember that? You know what Job said? Though he slay me, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Now what is that? That's faith. That's incredible faith. And you know, God restored all. God gave him double all his wealth. All the animals were doubled. Everything was doubled except his children. You know why? God gave him 10 more kids, but you know, God didn't give him 20 more because the 10 he had were still around. They were in heaven waiting on him to get there. Y'all believe that? See, when animals die, I don't think they go to heaven. That kind of makes me sad right now since I got a little dog I'm crazy about. <laughs> Molly, I can't imagine Molly not being in heaven, but I, I remember what a little girl asked the preacher one time. She was crying, her baby had died, her little dog had died, and said, Pastor, will my dog be in heaven? That pastor had a tender heart. He said, Honey, if it takes that dog being in heaven for you to be happy, that dog will be there. I thought that was a wise answer, don't you? But there's no evidence that animals are going to heaven. But children do. And when Job lost his ten kids, he lost them in a way, but it's like Brother Vance Habner sometime, he, his wife died and somebody said, they saw him after that, said, I didn't know you lost your wife. He said, I hadn't lost her. <laughs> I know where she is. <laughs> I love that, don't y'all? You haven't lost your loved ones when they die. They've just gone to glory. We know where they are. Their bodies are here. Their spirits are in glory. So God gave Job back ten kids, restored his blessings on this earth. But I want to tell you, till this day, who would have ever dreamed that people in 2021, October the 3rd, 2021, would be talking about Job? In America, to a bunch of Americans. I'm bringing him up to y'all. Y'all need to know about Job. You need to know about the patience of Job. Right? See, all this was recorded in the Bible for our learning upon whom the ends of the earth have come. And I don't know why my heart has been burdened to preach on this this weekend, but I can tell you, these Old Testament stories are for our learning. I'm not living in the past. I can't live in prophetic future. So what it's gonna, what's it, what's it going to do for me today? It's going to strengthen my faith. I don't know what's going to happen in America, but I can tell you there are evil forces, evil forces, who are gaining influence every day, it seems, in our capital and in our politics and in our government. And I want to tell you, they hate God, they hate the Bible, they hate Christianity. They would like to turn us into a secular state. And I don't know what you and I are facing, but I know one thing. Our faith in God will get us through it. Will y'all believe that? I want to leave y'all with that tonight. 
your faith in God, you better hold on to it. Hold on to it. Hold on to your profession of faith. That's what Paul told the Hebrews. Let us hold fast our profession. Not our possession. God's holding our possession. That's eternal life. If that was in our hands, we might lose it. <laughs> but you know what? You can lose your profession. I made a profession 55 years ago when I joined this church. You know, tonight we were singing some of Elder Monsey's hymns. I want to share with you all an experience Elder J. Monsies was a wonderful man of God, wrote a lot of the songs in our book, in our hymn book. He was pastoring Bethany Church in Atlanta, and uh, he was a lawyer by trade. He was a brilliant man, but a good, humble servant of God. And when my dad was at home uh, in bed, couldn't get out, couldn't come to church, Elder Monsies came one Sunday afternoon and held a home service for us. And by that time, God had touched my heart and I was hungry to hear the word. And Elder Monsees was just like a gentle rain. He didn't get in a big way of preaching, but I loved him and he was a gentle soul. He was an old man at that time. And I sat back behind some of the people in the room where Dad was and weeping trying to hide my tears. We got out on the porch of that old house and Brother Monsies pulled me to his bosom and said, Brother Sammy, he said, you don't know what it would mean to your daddy if you would join the church. Just a word of encouragement. Next Sunday I joined. That old man, that old shepherd could see a sheep in love with the church and encouraged me to come home. And I did, and I made a profession of faith 55 years ago. I stood before the church as a teenage boy and said, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe He loved me, died for me, and rose again. And I want to be baptized. I've been holding on to that profession 55 years. Now, there's been times I've been tempted to turn it loose but so far, by God's amazing grace, I've held on to it. I'm holding on to it tonight. I'm professing to y'all, I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in His death, burial, and resurrection. And Paul is saying to the Hebrew Christians, I want you all to hold on to your profession of faith. If you haven't made a profession of faith, you can't hold on to it because you don't have. So we're going to give you an opportunity right now if you hear, love the Lord, love the church, you believe this, and you want to live for Christ, we're going to give you an opportunity to make a profession of faith tonight.